Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Pot on You Loons. I'm Justin. Pot on You Loons, I'm Sam. Yeah, it's our back to EPL format. So the MLS season officially over. Your new champions are the Columbus Crew. Minnesota United got so close, and we're still a little heartbroken about it. But our attention turns back to the EPL. So this is our back to EPL special episode. During this episode, we're going to update you on each of the big six clubs. We're going to update you on Everton, and we're, we're even going to throw leads in there, Justin. <laughs> I appreciate it. Doing that one mostly just for Justin, but... They used to be a big six club, I'd say, right? They were pretty big at one point, just not, not in this millennium. Not in this millennium, but a lot of people are excited about leads. And this is a weird year, right? Like, this is a year where it really is... This is anyone's, anyone's title to win in the Premier League. Anyone's title to win. Listen in. We're going to talk about all about how these clubs are doing. We're going to talk about what it's like to support those clubs in the United States. And we're bringing on people that know these clubs very specifically, right? Justin, you're handling leads, right? Yes, sir. But then we have Nate, you know, Nate from the Minneapolis Citizens. He's going to come on, talk a little Tottenham with us. We have Jeremy from 10K Pitches. He's going to come on, talk about Everton. Of course, Captain James, everyone's favorite on Pod on You Loons. He's coming on to talk about Arsenal. We got Grant from the Dummy Run coming on to talk about Manchester United. We have a, a listener. We have a listener making his Pod on You Loons debut coming on to talk about Liverpool. And then for Chelsea, right, saving the best for last, we have myself. Cameron from Grill FC in Seattle is going to come back on. And also David from the Lunacy Podcast is going to come on. We'll talk Chelsea together to close things off. Dude, I couldn't find anyone to come on and talk about Manchester City. I mean, that's got to be pretty telling, Sam. <laughs> I, I haven't decided which one of you guys I'm just going to throw Manchester City. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking it's going to be James and Grant that get that privilege. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I did send, I did just start randomly sending messages to the i think they call themselves the twin citizens uh that that's what the local manchester city group is called and i did reach out to them we'll see maybe before we're done recording this maybe they'll reach back out and i'll be like hey hop on this quick someone needs to talk about manchester city otherwise the red devil guy is gonna do it but we'll see well anyway justin you want to get us started off talk a little leads yeah let's do it let's talk some leads yeah, man. So Leeds, probably the big story coming out of the championship going into this season. So Leeds is finally back in the Premier League for the first time since the 2003-2004 season. So Justin, why don't you just ex start off, just explain some of that historical significance about Leeds and their long absence from the English Premier League. So we could start off by just saying that Leeds used to be a pretty a pretty respectable club in the English before it was called the premier league. Right. It was just like the first division, whatever it was. Uh, so they were a pretty respectable team during the, the, the first run of top level football. They won several trophies. They've got, so they've got three English league titles, one FA cup, one league cup, two community shields. They had some history in like what the, the European, what was it? What's it called? The Euro European League or whatever before they they renamed it the Champions League, right? 
whatever that was called. They were successful in that. Uh, you know, just had a lot of a lot of success in the 70s was kind of like their 60s and 70s were their heyday. And then they started to be they were pretty bad in the 80s. Uh, and then they became good again in the 90s. Then their last last bit of success was in the early 2000s. You know, they reached the Champions League semifinals in 2001. They were they were flying high. But it turns out they had a ton of financial issues with ownership. And those issues led to the club having to sell off a lot of good players, led to them, you know, having a historic collapse where they went from being one of the top teams in tier one to being in the championship and eventually falling all the way down to league one, you know, and and basically they've been climbing back ever since. So they spent a number of years in the championship. Then they were in league one for three years. And then they spent about 10 years in the championship fighting their way back. Uh, recently, they they came under new ownership. I think it was like 2017 is when they got their most recent owner, an Italian guy named Andrea Rad Rizzani, if I'm saying that correctly. He bought the team and he with with the intention of of putting enough money in to make them successful. Leeds is one of the biggest towns in I don't know if they call them towns, but it's one of the biggest cities in England. You know, and like they, they've always had a fan base. And this guy saw an opportunity to buy them, put a lot of money into them. He eventually even bought, or sold, excuse me, sold part of the ownership to the 49ers. Um, and that's just kind of been the last, you know, three years or so, kind of culminating with signing Marco Bielsa to be the, the manager of the team. You know, one of the most well-respected coaches in the world, Argentinian, you know, just a legend in Argentina in their soccer their soccer federation. Uh, he played there. He coached there. Uh, Lionel Messi, I know he loves him. All the Argentines love him. And also also a lot of coaches really like him. He, I think he just, they, they came out with, um, they came out with the top three coaches of the year candidates. And I don't know who, I just saw this, this on social media or whatever for the team. Uh, but he was listed as one of the top three finalists for coach of the year. You know, the momentum's been been a Bruin building up to them being a successful team again. They've had record signings of a lot of great players. They've also just got like a very fun style that's easy to watch and fun to watch for people. So, Justin, I know you, right? I've heard you talking about Leeds since we worked together back in 2012. Why don't you just tell people really quick, Leeds, Justin, why Leeds? <laughs> I mean, so as I've I've talked about in this podcast before, and I talk with a lot of people, my fandom of soccer uh, didn't start really until I was in college, uh, and a lot of it came, and it, all of it pretty much came from the video game FIFA, and uh, playing that with with my friends in our dorm room. And one year, I think it was like FIFA '09, we decided as as an apartment. The three of us that lived together, we were going to take over like a team. We were going to find a team that was in one of the lower divisions. And we were going to try to make them the best team in the world by playing all the games and just by, you know, like helping this team be successful. And when we were looking for a team, we decided to go into the League One. We didn't want to do League Two because those teams were terrible. 
Uh, but we founded League One that Leeds had the best players and they also had the most money. So we decided to pick Leeds to be our team. And we did that. Like we played the game nonstop and we took Leeds from being League One to being in the Premier League, winning the Champions League, signing top players from around the world. It was super awesome. And it kind of, you know, that experience made me grow to love the team. And I, and I even, and you've seen this before, like I bought a jersey of like the best player from that season, Jermaine Beckford, who I think he ended up in the Premier League for a little bit, but he's, he's nobody special. But it just meant a lot to me, that experience with my friends. And, and Leeds are really why, from playing them in FIFA, is really why I love soccer. So the other two guys you played with, did they develop the same love for Leeds or how, how'd that work out? So we, we've talked about it recently. So one of my, my, my best man, Phil, I don't know if you ever met Phil. He's from Farmington too. He, um, he's a fan of the team as well. Uh, he's, he's been watching them, you know, this season. He's obviously not, you know, like embracing them a hundred percent as his actual team. I think he's don't, don't hold it against him, but he's a Man U fan. Yeah. And then the other guy, Steve, he's not a, he's not a huge fan of soccer he's he's a guy that played it in high school and liked playing the video game with us but i'm the only one sam that has developed a passion a passionate fandom for for the team that we played in a video game well cool justin and hey look who just hopped on the call hopped on the call like 10 minutes late nate how are you doing doing well thanks you're not going to introduce me by my full name Antifa Nate, top of the table. Are you referring to fantasy football or are you referring to the Premier League? I mean, I am top of the fantasy football league, but Spurs are top of the Premier League too. Um, uh, actually, not. You aren't, Nate. Look at the standings right now. One of yeah, our, one of our friends. <laughs> I'm going to jump back up. You got to wait till the end of the week. You got to do the. You're the math guy. <laughs> you're the. You can do math. Come on. Hey, nice, uh, clean shave there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, our, our, so our our listeners can't see me, but I have been a bearded man for some time and I decided recently to shave it all off. So just looking like a young, young gentleman now. <laughs> all right, Sam. Right bring on. Us back together, buddy. Let's go. Right on, you young gentleman. So okay. So th- that's a pretty cool story about how you fell into Leeds. And I think it's a pretty typical story too, as far as Americans not knowing much about soccer, discovering FIFA, and then landing on their team through there. Relatively typical. So, Justin, you have more or less exploded in your Leeds fandom, though, this year to the point where, like, I see you downloading Leeds podcasts, you're you're talking about the Leeds Twitter people you follow. Like, how, how do you typically follow the, the Leeds community? How do you interact with the Leeds community? So, so, I mean, I, I was, I was kind of falling from a distance, you know, like for the last several years or last several years, more so closely the last couple, since they've they've been like making their resurgence uh, with new ownership, it just hasn't been super fun because they've gotten so close multiple times to making the, the, the premier league. And then they, they don't right through the playoffs or whatever it is. Uh, I just try to kind of keep it inside, and I've I've been excited to see them reach the top level. So I can't be more outward about being a fan of a team and not feeling like a lame person cheering on a, a team that's been in the championship for for forever, right? 
So, but anyway, uh, I interact with, you know, there's a really good, there's really good uh, leads podcast called the square ball uh, that can be found on most major sharing platforms for podcasts. There's also a really fantastic writer for the athletic named Phil Hay that has a lot of great contact content, excuse me, that he puts out, puts out on the athletic that I really enjoy, including a podcast that he actually does with the square ball. I haven't listened to too many podcasts, but the square ball has definitely been one and the Phil Hay show has been another that I've really enjoyed. So does Leeds have like Minnesota based watch parties or anything? Like, is there a Minnesota <laughs> Twin Cities based supporters group that you can go hang out with? Or is so that I'm hard a- to say because we've been on lockdown? So I think that that's part of it, Sam. But I also think that maybe I, I might have to be the one to start it. Like if you if you look on Google, maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. But it seems like the closest supporters group is Chicago. I think there's like four in the country or something like that. Not not here, because like I said, like I mean, who's a fan of Leeds in the United States? I'm sure people that are that are from Leeds in England. It's a pretty big town. They've got supporters, but. They don't really have the the fans over here in the United States yet, you know, other than a couple small pockets. So, I mean, that'd be fun to try to to make something happen. I don't know. I, I've got my my eyes out for it. I did find, and this is kind of a tangent, when I looked up Minnesota and Leeds, the only thing I could find was that they were really angry at the Minnesota Twins for taking their uh, their song, Walking On Together, and remixing it into like a twins anthem. And they were so mad about it. So Leeds doesn't like Minnesota very much, but maybe there are other people in Minnesota that like Leeds. I just haven't found them yet. So I'm, I'm going to skip ahead in my questions. I'm going to ask you then, because this, this would transition nicely. If you're going to start Minnesota based watch parties, why Leeds, right? You, you have some people listening to you right now, Justin. Why should they come and watch Leeds with you? Why should they make Leeds their team? You might have I some Reynolds Arsenal fans looking, <laughs> to hop, looking to hop over. I, I think that I think that what makes Leeds different is that they just have a really fun brand of brand of football to watch when they're playing well. They've had a couple miserable runs here and there this year, and they're, they're kind of still trying to figure it out. They're they're new to the Premier League, uh, but they've held their own against some really good teams. Uh, and they just have a very high octane, super intense, you know, they're high press, just all over the place, high action, the whole entire game. They call it like Bielsa ball, right? So it's just, it's it's like the the most intense soccer that you're ever going to watch, if that makes sense. Like as far as action the whole time. And they just, th- their whole thing is like they're, go, like they're go, 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 go. And, you know, they're hoping to score a lot of goals on you. And if they don't score a lot of goals early, they wear you out. And then they score goals late to win the game. So I guess long story longer, it's, it's just a fun style of soccer to watch. And it also, I mean, like, there's all these teams that have been at the top for a long time. It's kind of fun to cheer on the underdog a little bit, right? The, the team that was outcast, that was shunned and kind of like pushed away that used to be great. You know, you talked about like, there's, <laughs> there's some bitterness from clubs that like, they haven't played this team in like 30 years and they still hate them. Right. So I guess maybe the, there's some negativity towards the club, but I mean, who can't want this team to be successful or want this team to, to ascend and be, be a successful team. Cause they're, they're just fun to watch. Sure. Yeah. Like the Chelsea podcast I listened to, uh, some of them are just, you know, old timers that have been 
cheering on Chelsea since they were little kids, and they refer to Leeds as dirty Leeds. And I haven't totally figured out why. Um, I haven't totally understood the context if if they're talking about the team or the city or both. But I do find that interesting how you have rivalries that haven't been renewed for so long and haven't mattered for so long that are now renewing themselves with leads back in the Premier League. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they have they have uh, supposedly, I, I'm learning more and more, is like one of the uh, most well-known fan bases in a negative way. Like people <laughs> hate lead supporters. Uh, so, I mean, that's something I guess I'm just going to have to figure out. But, you know, as far as like who, who have they played so far, like anybody in the championship or, you know, when they were in League One, like everyone hated them. And maybe that was the same thing when they were in the Premier League. Who knows? Well, I think you're cleaning up their image, Justin. I mean, <laughs> sure. Former prom king and all. Okay. <laughs> He's certainly cleaning up with the shave. That's true. How's Bielsa Ball going back in the Premier League? How's this season going for Leeds? Uh, I mean, lately they've been they've been struggling a little bit. They've had some some bad form recently. They've gotten hit with some pretty bad injuries to some key players. But I guess that's kind of everybody, right? I think that they, you know, they kind of came like went off to a hot start, right? They they played Liverpool super well in their first game of the season. They went on a pretty good run of of playing well and being uh, in the top half of the table. But lately, they've been kind of settling down a little bit. They're kind of you're kind of learning the teams that they're going to struggle with. You know, at least that's what I'm kind of seeing. And from everyone that I've been listening to about them, there's just right now. You know, like obviously, like they're they're going to score goals, they're going to have success, but they're also give they're giving up a lot of goals uh, because the way that they play leaves them prone for counterattacks. They also are terrible at corners because everybody on their team is like six foot one and shorter and just super fast and just high stamina players. They don't really have any big bodies for set pieces. So yeah, like they, the the announcers kept talking about it in their last game, and it's kind of become a reoccurring thing that they are very much weak when, when covering corners, I think they're going to do good. I don't think they're in, they're in fear of getting relegated. They're going to whoop up on the lower teams. Uh, and they're also going to play well against the good teams too, because I don't think like the teams that they're struggling with are the teams that are going to sit back and just defend them and just say like, all right, like we're going to stay back in our zone and we're going to let you try to beat us back here. But the teams that are like, we're going to try to go tit for tat with you. We're going to try to like run with you. Like those are the teams that we're going to beat. So like, that's what happened with, that's what happened with Liverpool. Like they lost four to three and it was a shootout, like the whole game. It was super exciting. Uh, Man City won one, but it was like the whole game just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But the teams they've struggled with, like Wolves, Wolves kicked their butts. Like they couldn't do anything against them. Uh, Who else? Like they just lost to West Brom, who's, I don't know, that was kind of fluky, but they just, they've been doing really bad against the high defense teams and doing better against this, the teams that are trying to score goals. So I'm looking forward to see what happens the rest of the year. You know, I don't have expectations that they're going to be like, you know, top four or anything like that, but I think that they're going to be interesting and it'll be fun to see what they do in the next few years because ownership is definitely willing to spend the money to make them a contender and make them a team that can have success moving forward. Well, that's cool, Justin. It's definitely been fun having Leeds back in the Premier League. As a Premier League fan, this is my first experience with Leeds, and I hope they stay up. It's nice having 
the big teams up there. It's nice having the teams that bring in just that extra drama as a Premier League fan. I'm all for it. And selfishly, Leeds being back in the Premier League has been good for this pod. So it's nice to have another interpod rivalry for us to talk about occasionally. Anyway, speaking of defensive teams, Antifa Nate, why don't you come on, talk about Tottenham a little bit with us? Sounds good. Yeah, we're uh, we're doing well. At the time of recording, which may or may not be when you actually listen, and that's fine, but at the time of recording, Tottenham is at the top of the table. If you're listening a week or two from now and they fall in a little bit, still Tottenham right in the mix. Possibly surprising people. I think people Stop. thought they were Europa League contenders. I don't know how many people picked them to be Champions League or even title contenders. Nate, of course, did. I did not. Oh, I you did not pick them? I didn't, no, I didn't have them in the top four. So, you know, I think it's it's been great to see what Spurs have done this season under Mourinho. I think that the break helped them to kind of adjust. And I know that they, you know, they played a lot better after the COVID break um, than they did before, even under Mourinho. So I think just that time to kind of get to know him, he seems like he's re-energized. I'll be honest. I wasn't a fan of them bringing him in when it happened. I was not a fan of them letting go of Pochettino. I think that there were some, some personality dynamics in the locker room that made it difficult, but I think that they side, you know, and I think that that's kind of typical. You side with the players, but I think if you look at the last couple of years under Pochettino, they didn't go out and spend money. They didn't freshen up the squad. They didn't bring in guys to really force the guys that were there to compete and up their level. And if you look at what's happened this year, that's made the huge difference. Um, they bring in Doherty and immediately Serge Aurier ups his game. You've got Lo Celso and Andabele who are pushing each other. Um, you know, they're basically rotating, you know, 60, 60 and 30 minutes a match, middle of the week and on the weekend, playing at that kind of top of the midfield triangle that they've got, got going on. They bring in Hoy Bear, who's basically bench Terry Winks. But Winks even had, you know, a solid first 60 minutes in the the Thursday matchup in Europa. So I just think that that what you've seen is they've made purchases that are smart and they've made purchases to bring in depth and that that depth has resulted in players that were already within the squad upping their game because they see the writing on the wall, I better produce or I'm out. And never mind, you know, bringing in, bringing back in Gareth Bale, um, who, you know, has kind of been an auxiliary piece thus far, but um, the signing of uh, Regulon from Real Madrid as well um, has been huge. I really like him. And, you know, he's he's pushed Ben Davis to be a better player when Davis has been on the field, I think. So, Nate, and I, and I mean this with all due respect, but why Tottenham? So I started following Tottenham circa 2008. So this was pre-Kane, pre-Modric, pre-Gareth Bale. You know, these were the Tom Huddleston, Jermaine Defoe, Raphael Vandervaart years where they were pretty mediocre. Ledley King was at the end of his career um, and was often injured. So 
there wasn't a whole lot of glory, but it was, hey, here's this, you know, exciting team. A buddy of mine kind of turned me on and we were both getting into EPL. It was when the soccer soccer channel, whatever the first soccer channel was, Fox Soccer Fox Channel. Soccer. Fox Soccer was starting to show games and I didn't want to support any of the big clubs. I wanted, if I was going to follow a club, I wanted it to be, you know, someone out of not just jumping on the bandwagon of a Man U or a Chelsea or Arsenal. And my buddy was, you know, watching some Spurs. And so we got together on some, some Saturday mornings and watched some matches and, you know, they were fun and it just took off from there. And it's been fun watching the the club transform. And then it's also been fun, you know, since I moved to the Midwest and been back where there's been supporter cultures, you know, really jumping in with the local Minneapolis Spurs group is a great group of guys The the leadership there does a fantastic job. Part Wolf is awesome, formerly Nomad. So we go there for, for matches when there's not COVID. And then, you know, I've taken some trips to Chicago and Kansas City for Timbers matches the last few years and been it's worked out where i've been able to go uh watch matches in some of the spurs bars in other cities and so that's been really fun as well to just be able to go pop around i've got friends in portland that are timbers fans that are also spurs fans so every time i go back there you know we go to the bar there um spurs bar there and watch so i rotate between my minneapolis spurs scarf and my portland spurs scarf very cool very cool so you've been a fan since 2008 is it just my impression or has Spurs fandom within the United States just exploded in the past, say, five years? I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Five years ago, too, you know, the first few years of Pochettino ball, you know, talk about Bielsa ball, you know, that was one of the things that I missed. And I think that the thing was that they couldn't translate that to success against the top clubs, which is why they didn't win. You know, they didn't win titles under Pochettino, but I also think that you look at that they didn't buy, right? So back to your question of why there might be more fans, they played a really fun style. They had a young team. They had guys that were featuring for England and Belgium on their World Cup teams. You know, so there there were just a lot of players that were out there kind of in the mainstream. And so then that makes it easier to pop up. Plus the fact that they're on, you know, when it was NBC you know, Sportsnet showing one or two games a weekend and then everything else was hard to find. Tottenham was one of those teams that was being featured every week. So if you're able to watch them and again, you don't want to root for Chelsea or Man United or whatever, then, you know, they're still there. Do you think that that's like it? And and I know you're a Tottenham fan now and you will always be a Tottenham fan now. Do you think it's fair for someone that, is jumping into Tottenham right now to use the argument, well, I don't want to cheer for Manchester United. I don't want to cheer for Chelsea. I don't want to cheer for one of the big teams. I'm going to choose Tottenham. Is that still a claim or can it still be a claim given how big Spurs have become? I mean, I, they're definitely one of the big club, you know, big clubs in England, you know, and I think that it's, it's no longer a big four, but a big six or big seven. So I think that, that that you definitely have a great point there in terms of, you know, to say that, oh, I don't want to root for Man City because they just spend a bunch of money and buy all their talent. 
you know, I don't think that Spurs are going to ever be at the level of Man City or Chelsea where they're just shelling out money left and right, but they're definitely there. The And the other thing, I don't know if you can edit this in at some point, but talk about a blast from the past. There's a chapter in How Soccer Explains the World about Tottenham. And I read that book as I was getting into, you know, soccer and really liked, it was like, oh, I made the right choice in choosing Tottenham. And I don't remember, again, all the history off the top of my head, but they have this sort of supportive and celebratory relationship with the Jewish community. And it stems from kind of post world, like World War II and post World War II. And I don't remember all of the details, but I was like, this is pretty cool. And so that was another, that was another reason that kind of led me in. Or I mean, I wasn't like the original, hey, I like Tottenham because of this, but it was like, hey, th- here's a real world reason to like Tottenham, you know, feel good story. So very cool. Very cool. So what would you say? Obviously, the season is off to a good start for Tottenham on top of the Premier League table. If they're not by the time you listen, at least they're near the top of the Premier League table. I assume they're on to the next round in the Europa. Top of the group. Top of the group in Europa. What has changed this year under Jose? I mean, I think that there's two things. One, he's really implemented his defensive mentality. I don't say strategy because they were playing more defensive counter to begin with. And they've always been, I think at their best when they're a counterattacking team um, with this group of players. But I think what he, you know, if you watch games and you compare tape, the amount of running that they do off the ball defensively this year is phenomenal. And they, they send multiple in the midfield, especially middle third, they're sending multiple guys to press the ball when it's wide and they're all working defensively in the you know in the center portion of the pitch the middle channel so for for him to get all 10 guys on the field to be putting pressure on the ball was not something that was happening last year um and for them to do that in in a way that's collaborative i mean i remember watching the first match of the year against everton which was their one loss and it was like they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what the expectation was. Some guys were running to press and there was nobody else moving. Guys would sit back and other guys would be stepping up off the ball as though they were expecting to, guys to go press. That's gotten straightened out and gotten straightened out in a pretty pretty quick way. Um, so defensively, they're putting a lot more ball pressure. That's why I think they've been so successful against you know holding Chelsea to a draw, beating Man City, beating Man United, smacking Arsenal. You know, they're just outworking the other team defensively. And then you've got a healthy group of attackers and you've got a plethora of attackers that they haven't had in the past. You know, they were they were starting Lucas Mora by himself up top last year with very little wing help. You're not going to win games in the Prem with that sort of a lineup. And so now they've got Harry Kane's healthy. He's in beast mode showing off his passing, you've got Son on one wing, and then you've got, you know, this rotation of guys on the other side, Bergwijn, Bale, Delhi can't even get in this team. Um, so they just have so much depth and they've got a lot of guys that are playing well. So obviously this, this team this year has met your expectations, surpassed your expectations. 
Is Tottenham going to finish this season? Is this finally their title winning season, Nate? I mean, if you look at the team right now, you know, we're not even halfway through the, the season in the prem and we got a long way to go in the other tournaments. So there's lots of things that can happen. Right. But you, you definitely hit it when you say it's, it's surpassed expectations. You know, it was sort of dreamland a couple of years ago where they made the UCLA, the UCL final, you know, that was amazing. Uh, and then just gut wrenching to watch the travesty of a performance that they put out in the final, but Anything can happen between here and the end to say that if you, if you would have asked me in August or if you would have told me in August that Spurs would be going in their fixture with Liverpool tied on points. And I think they're just a couple of points ahead of Leicester in third. If you would have said that was the case, I would have taken that. You can't ask for more. And the league is super tight this year. So injuries are going to play a factor. Number of fixtures are going to play a factor. But, you know, I think that it's looking it's looking really positive and i think that the way that they're approaching games leads me to believe that they've got that potential for trophies in them and they i mean they've certainly got the squad it was never about not having the squad it was about approach to those games but i think it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens spurs have a a, a really tough run through the end of the calendar year if they can come through that still in first place or within a couple of points. I think that sets them up for a really strong second half of the Prem season. And when it comes to single elimination tournaments, anything can happen. Thanks. And so Nate, just before you go, we may have some unaffiliated listeners out there. They may be looking to get their soccer fix. Now that the MLS is over, they may be looking to get their soccer fix from England. So make your sales pitch, man. Why Tottenham? Why Tottenham in uh, Minnesota, you don't have to share a bar with other fans. There's a number of fan groups that go to Brits. So come to Part Wolf, you don't have to share with anybody. And uh, you can stomp on some Chelsea and some Arsenal kits on your way in the door. And you're going to watch some great soccer. And if nothing else, you get to have continued Midwest. They build you up and they break your heart sport experience. Our, our wounds are fresh, Nate. Our wounds are fresh. I was thinking about the Vikings, but yeah, that too. <laughs> we made it further than the Timbers, buddy. Well, Nate, thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to have you on. and uh... Pot on you, Spurs. Oh, God. Can I just say that I can't, I can't wait for us to be able to watch games together and smack talk each other in person? That's going to be great to be able to do that again. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I can't wait to record one of these episodes in person. Drink some of Nate's homebrew. Always welcome. Got a new one ready to, to keg up tonight. Nice. All right. Well, Nate, until next time, we'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, guys. All right. We're going to continue the Back to EPL special. We have a familiar voice in the Minnesota United podcast community, Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Sam. How are you? Doing great. It's good to have you on the pod. This yeah, is your first time me. on the pod. It's first time on Pod on Your Loons. Yeah, not my first time talking to you, but my first time on Pod on Your Loons. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, man. Great to have you. Make sure to check out his, his podcast, 10K Pitches. And you, you write for a website called Zone Coverage as well? Yeah, I do a little Minnesota United writing for Zone Coverage off-season right now. So 
probably going to be fewer and further between than when we're in the middle of the season, but uh, about super draft time, I'll have a little super draft preview. So check that out. But a lot of other great guys who write for zone coverage, Jacob Schneider, David Naylor, Nick Hallett, uh, just a lot of good Minnesota United coverage there. So if you're a Loons fan, definitely go check out zonecoverage.com. Yeah. And I know Justin uses it for all of his other Minnesota sports teams that he. Yeah. I mean, they got great. I mean, the Vikings coverage is second to none, I think, to be honest. I think we have more guys writing about the Vikings than I think any other, any other site, man. It's, it's crazy. And then with Tim, with Timberwolves starting, you know, we got, we got some Wolves coverage. Our wild coverage is really good too. So if you're a hockey fan, definitely check that out for the wild coverage as well. And then when baseball season comes around, I mean, our, our twins coverage is, is great. So, I mean, it's all around if you're a Minnesota sports fan, zone coverage. I mean, we got you covered. So, well, awesome, dude. But we're, we're not here to talk about any Minnesota sports teams right now. This is, <laughs> this is the back to EPL special. And you are an Everton guy. I am. I am up the toffees. So what, what's the story with that? How, how did you become a toffee? So I grew up. I never grew up playing soccer, but I don't know how old I was, but I really just kind of started. I was drawn to the men's national team from a very early age, like late nineties. I was like, just drawn to them. I don't know why. So I was like religiously followed the national team through the early two thousands, through the 2006 world cup. And then 2010, you know, they had just gone to the championship match of the, or the final, I should say of the confederations cup. 2010 World Cup. I mean, it's like people were really high in the U.S. So I really got kind of really soccer crazy at about that time. And so I kind of started watching the Premier League at around that time, too. And lo and behold, you got Landon Donovan and Tim Howard on the same team with Everton. And I was like, OK, two Americans, same squad. This, this is my team. And it's uh, it's been that way ever since, for better or worse. So do you think a lot of Everton fans that you meet in the United States, whether it's Minnesota or elsewhere, did a lot of them hop on around that time too with those U.S. men's national team stars or did they hop on later? You know, it's, it's interesting because I don't hear that same story as much as I thought I would. Okay. Um, I'm more alone in that sense than I thought I'd be. Not in the sense that like, you know, obviously Landon Donovan, being with with Everton Tim Howard being with Everton for almost 10 years like that has an impact but that time frame watching at that time frame following at that time frame like that I'm I think I'm pretty unique in that regard but I do think the two Americans being on that squad at least in some presence that does help uh the American following of Everton and the American the American supporter base they have but I think a lot of it is more just the, the history of the club, to be honest. I mean, Everton does have a huge history and, uh, you know, they're one of the, they're one of the biggest clubs in England. They're the other Liverpool club aside from Liverpool. So, you know, that, that rivalry with the Reds is really uh, uh, one of the biggest ones in the Premier League. So, yeah, I guess I'm pretty unique in terms of how I became an Everton fan, but the American influence with, with Donovan and Howard being there is, is significant for sure. Yeah, and a local connection with it being Adrian Heath's former club. Yep, exactly. And uh, I don't get to be a part of every media availability with Heath. I wanted to ask him, though, and I didn't get a chance to, when Everton at the beginning of the season was doing really well, I wanted to ask him about it and kind of get his thoughts on it, but I never really, I never really got the chance to. So, Well, that's cool. 
Now, is there a local Everton community that you connect with at all? Or Yeah, so Minnesota Toffees, I, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself an official member or anything, but I do interact with them a lot on Twitter. And, uh, you know, they, I don't know, honestly, with COVID being COVID, I'm not sure how big their supporter base is, to be honest, because all the the meetups that they would have over the course of this season, obviously with COVID were really small. They were very, very limited, you know, number of people, four or five people getting together to, to watch a match. And, and now it's obviously all virtual with the lockdown. So I'm sure there are a lot of, a lot more members than I've seen in terms of who gets together. So once COVID passes, I'm sure I'll get a better idea, but um, yeah, Minnesota Toffees is definitely, I think the most notable one. Now, how, how's the season going so far? And I, I say this as, at the time of recording, Everton just beat my team. Um, yep. I one no. I I did not plan it this way. I <laughs> this has happened. This has happened to me more and more than once, where I invite someone on the show and their team, whether it's whether it's their NFL team, their EPL team, whatever, their team just happened to beat my team. Whatever, I'm over mm. it. How's Everton doing <laughs> this season? You know. I'm impressed, but also more like cautiously optimistic coming into the season. There was, I don't know. It was like, it was supposed to be like a a traditional Everton season. Probably we'll finish mid table. We'll beat a few good teams. We'll, you know, lose to some teams that'll get demoted. It's, it's really, that's kind of the story with Everton, very inconsistent. They always usually finish mid table. Well, then two weeks before the season starts, they sign, James, they sign Alan, they sign Decore, and you're like, okay, this is a completely revamped midfield. Like, these are three studs. Maybe this team could do something. And I was thinking, okay, they probably won't click right away. Three guys from three different places. It's going to take some time to build the chemistry. And then they go out and they beat first match of the season. They beat Tottenham 1-0. And you're like, okay, like, and, and they dominated the midfield the entire game. Like, ju- it was just dominated possession. It was, it was very one-sided. And you're like, okay, we're kind of hitting the ground running here. We could really do something. And then a month into the season, you're fourth, fifth, and you're like, okay, this team may, may really, you know, this, this could be real. You know, this could be legit. This could be pretty special. And then they've, they've stumbled over the last month or so, but they're right in the thick of it with the Premier League being the Premier League this year. You know, nobody's really running away with it. Everybody at the top's dropping points. So they're kind of right in the thick of it. And obviously beating Chelsea doesn't help, doesn't hurt. But does they not. got a big I, I don't know when we're dropping this one, Sam, but uh Wednesday they got a big one against Leicester. And that's going to be a kind of a I think a big measuring stick for them. That game will most likely be over by the time uh, okay, by the fair time enough, this one fair drops. Enough, but so. but but people will know. People will know how that game turns out by then. So, so after Everton loses four uh, one, <laughs> I'll, I'll really sound like an idiot. Hey man, Lester always in the mix, and, and again and again after their kind of late season collapse after the restart. I wondered if the magic was kind of running out on Lester. Right, they've sold some big players recently with Harry Maguire, Ben Chilwell, Jamie Vardy ain't getting any younger. And yet they're still in the mix and that, that will be a great game. Yeah. Hopefully it was, if you're listening to this, hopefully Everton <laughs> gave you something, gave you some entertainment value at, at noon on a Wednesday. Now, 
can can Everton keep this up? Or Everton going to stay in the top four hunt? I, Maybe go after it? What do you think? I think top four is a little lofty, to be honest. I think you'll see some of these top teams really come into form as we get, especially the transfer window is a real opportunity for these teams to really solidify themselves. So uh, I, I think... I don't know if ever I, I know Everton's not as good as as the teams that are going to be competing for you know the top four, but I think Europa League is a goal. I think Europa League should be the goal if you're Everton. I really think that you have a shot at that, just based on you've really put yourself in a solid position. Granted, it's been very up and down. It's been very roller coaster to this point. But if you would have told any Everton supporter at this point, you would be one point off the top four in mid-December? Absolutely. 100%. Would have taken that and ran with it any, any time of day. So they put themselves in a good position. I think that they still have their best soccer ahead of them. I still think that this team can be a lot better than what they've shown. But I say that, and I say Europa League's a goal, but I really think you got it. You have to be thinking more long-term if you're an Everton supporter here. There's a lot of great young guys on this roster. Moise Keane just got loaned to PSG, and he's really got a chance to further his development there because he is – I was very skeptical of that move because I'm like, where is he going to get playing time? He is the legit backup striker for PSG right now, and he was not getting first-team time with Everton at all. So he's got a real chance to develop there with one of the biggest clubs in Europe. They have uh, Anthony Gordon, who's this 19-year-old attacker who has a chance to really be good. They have Ben Godfrey, who's a really young guy. He has been thrown into the mix this year. I think he's held his own pretty well. I don't know if he's ideally somebody you would have in your starting 11 right now, but uh, he's getting thrown to the fire, and hopefully he uses that to his advantage and continues to further his development because I think he's somebody who could be really good on that back line for Everton moving forward. So I think if you're an Everton fan, you know, you got to be thinking maybe, you know, next season, two, three years down the line as, as your, your real window. I don't know if this year is really it, but I do think that you have a really good chance. I would say a really good chance, but you have a legitimate chance at competing for a Europa League spot this year if you're Everton, in my opinion. All right, man. Well, for any unaffiliated listeners out there, Jeremy, this is your chance. If they're looking for a team, why Everton? One, they're the blue-headed stepchild of Liverpool. So if you're sick of Liverpool winning everything, I think the logical move would be to go to their biggest rival, Everton. So there's one. Two, and I say this like I'm pitching like a like a stock right now, but like you have a chance to really like get in on the ground floor of something that, like I said, could be really special in two or three years. I haven't really seen anybody, analysts, pundits, whatever, really giving Everton a real shot to make Champions League this year. And I think that's pretty legitimate. But like I said, two, three years down the line, 2023, 2022, you know, you could see a perennial Champions League contender. I don't know if they'll win the Premier League, but you could be seeing a team that consistently competes for top four, you know, over a long stretch. And right now you would be kind of getting in ahead of the curve a little bit, jumping on the bandwagon before it gets too full, so to speak. So there's, there's my best pitch. (laughs) That's awesome. I like it, man. I like it. Thank you. Well, Jeremy, thank you for hopping on. You've been, you've been a good friend of pot on your loons this past season. And likewise, man, you've been a good friend of my podcast too. So I really do appreciate it.
Yeah, we, we look forward to actually seeing you at the stadium. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. Next season, maybe we can maybe we can get this vaccine rolled out and we can get back into Allianz Field sooner rather than later. That'd be nice. Sign me up. Sign me <laughs> up. Man, me too. Hopefully. Sam, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> <laughs>